Before we start this podcast, I'd like to formally apologize for my audio quality. My better microphone was unfortunately not plugged in all the way, so it defaulted to my webcam audio, and I did not pick up that small detail when we started recording the pod. So I apologize if it's a little hard to listen to, but I hope it doesn't take away from the wonderful content that Justin, Nick, and myself have brought you in this bonus episode featuring Nine Card TCG. All right, everybody, welcome back to the PCS podcast. Uh, we have some special stuff for you today. Uh, we have a special guest with us in the form of Nick from Nine Card TCG. Uh, we're going to do a quick MetaShare study with Crown Zenith right around the corner, and we're going to be diving into a card spotlight featuring a very, very heavily played card in the meta right now. And then we have some news on the late night series and what this new event is bringing to competitive Pokemon players everywhere. We'll wrap up the pod with the listener question. And of course, we might revise some picks for the Liverpool Regional at the end of this month. I am your host, Drew. With me today is Justin. And we have another special guest, Nick from Nine Card TCG. Nick, I'm going to have you start it off. How was your week? How are you? And what are you doing on this podcast, man? I I don't know any of that. <laughs> no, I'm I'm doing well. It's uh, it's been a good week. I'm you know I'm off today, so that's fantastic. But uh, went to locals yesterday. Tried out a Radiant Eternatus deck. We'll talk a little bit more about my thoughts on that card later, I guess. But it did not go very well. Oh, so geez. that's that's always exciting. But otherwise. Doing well. Uh, you and I have done a couple of webcam battles over on my channel, so it was about time I came over here and hung out with you guys on, on your podcast. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're, you're welcome to hang out and be a part of our little thing we got going on here. Uh, but thanks for taking the time to uh, do this. This has been a long time coming. Yeah, I'm happy to. This, you know, this is actually, I think, the first podcast uh, no, no, second, uh, Gust of Wind. I was on Gust of Wind with Steuben. Uh, so it's only the second podcast I've ever done, and I really enjoy doing these, so I'm hoping to do more. Yeah, that's fantastic. Justin, man, how was your week? And happy belated birthday to my beloved co-host, Justin. Oh, happy yeah, birthday. thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. Um, it, was a, it was a good weekend. Uh, did, you know, a couple birthday-flavored things. Um, on my actual birthday itself, I went over to a 1K in Oviedo, which is, like, kind of the far side of Orlando, for those that aren't familiar with Florida area. Um, didn't do super, super hot. Didn't do horrible. I just kind of hit a few bad variance-based matchups. Um, I played Reggie's, trying to test it out, because it is a potential for Orlando for me. There's a couple of potentials, but just figured throw that out there. Hit the one guy in the room playing Vikavolt Ice Q, of course. So that was just like <laughs> R.I.P. Um, but then, no, just had a lot of fun. I went with the mindset of just just have fun, get some good testing games in, and uh, you know, was there. Kind of held off till the last round and uh, ended up losing that round uh, on a badness play and dropped and went home and enjoyed the rest of my evening with the wife. So wasn't too too bad unfortunately i do think i uh, i might have caught a little bug from being around it was like 63 people in a store so um bugs kind of go around in that situation sometimes so uh hopefully that's not the case and it's just this weird weather we're having in florida with hot cold hot cold and uh yeah hopefully we'll be good to go yeah right on man well i hope you do feel better but back to our main topic as there are no tournament results this week i'd like to start off with the player profile nick Nine Card TCG. I've worked with you a handful of times. Uh, I love your content. You make YouTube videos, little shorts on PTCG Live, and so on and so forth. 
you've got a wonderful community and a handful of people who really appreciate and respect you um, in the scene. But right now, I'm going to disrespect you a little bit, and I'm going to have you answer 20 questions <laughs> in a minute, okay? <laughs> you sound like every one of my viewers and my wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to pull out my notepad, and I'm going to start the timer right now. Favorite color? Oh, God, blue. Favorite Pokemon? Urshifu, easy. Favorite deck ever? Single Strike Urshifu. A player you admire? Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Azul GG. Very good. A place you would like to travel to play a regional at? Japan. Very cool. Uh, summer, winter, spring, or fall? Fall. Coke or Pepsi? Oh man, uh, Diet Coke. Okay, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? <laughs> no, what? No. <laughs> Dogs or cats? Dogs. Team Aqua or Team Magma? Oh, God. Does anyone actually care? Team Magma. <laughs> uh, watch VODs or watch live streams? VODs. Favorite type of music? Metal and Taylor Swift. <laughs> Very good. Uh, favorite activity outside of the TCG? Uh, I'm I, Jiu-Jitsu. Very good. Uh, favorite athlete? Oh, I don't even know any really. Brett Favre was a guy that I, when I was a kid, I don't know anymore. <laughs> Very good. Yellow or silver borders? Silver. Uh, full art or alt art? Full art. Buy singles or open packs? Singles. Comfy or chorus first? Chorus first. Heads or tails? Tails. Last four digits of your social security number? Nice try. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Very good. That was well within a minute. See? That was super all right. Cool. All right. We, all right. <laughs> all right. So now that we've gotten to know you a little bit better, um, who are you, man? I don't I ask myself that every day. Uh, no. <laughs> what, what am this I, what am I doing? Socialism question. Uh, yeah. What am I doing? What's your place no, in I, this world? Yeah. <laughs> I, I try my best to be a just an open space for whether it's a new player, someone who's like myself played a long time ago and came back and was like, where, where do I start? What's going on? What's popular? What's good? Um, and I just try to be that entertaining uh, middleman, if you will, between newer and, and returning players until they start to make their way towards more competitive individuals like, in, you know, uh, Azul, for example, since you mentioned it before. So I just, I know my skill level as a player. I'm, I'm fine. I'm a decent player. It's just, I'm not going to be, you know, winning worlds anytime soon. So I try my best to just be entertaining and engaging and provide that, that community space for people who want to really interact more than just learn the, the best play for a given scenario. That's awesome. And what got you into playing Pokemon TCG in the first place? Well, I started when I was all right. So I'm I'm old, and <laughs> I started playing when I was same, like ten. Same. I started playing when I was like ten, and I took a you know a twenty year break or so. Got back into it during quarantine because I was just on YouTube, and I saw a video of like Lee and Hart opening a base set booster pack, pulled a Charizard. He went nuts. And I watched like in the entire video on YouTube. was like, oh yeah, you like that, don't you? And started showing me like Frosted <laughs> Caribou and Tricky Jim. So started uh, just watching more and more. I was like, man, I just got to get back into this. And here we are. 
Yeah, absolutely. And what what made you transcend and like and go from being a player and consumer to a content creator? I didn't know what was good. I didn't know anything. You you see these deck profiles online and you just say that looks really cool. I really like that Pokemon. Um I watched a video, it got a couple wins. I'm going to go buy it and play it. And then you buy the cards, you you trade for them online, and you realize that the deck is actually really, really bad and that it can win. Every deck has the potential to win, but, you know, competitively, it's not very good or just compared to what other people at your locals might be having. So you, you almost feel a little, I don't want to say betrayed, but you feel like, oh man, I wish I knew more about this. And so I tried, I said, you know what? I'm a new player and I can give that new player perspective, like, you know, kind of go through those growing pains that other players might be going through or experiencing and say, yeah, I I felt that too, or, oh, that's really good. I'm going to not make that mistake. So I try my best to be honest with my uh, videos, whether it shows me losing, I misplay, um, it's a bad matchup. Maybe it's even not, not even the best build of the deck, but I just want to be open and honest and let everyone know you know what? What's what's kind of going on, if you will? Yeah, no, that's that's very good, and I, I really do feel like that is a big portion as well. Obviously, a lot of content creators, you know, not work for Pokemon, but they work with Pokemon. And in order to, you know, have that rapport, you need to promote everything that Pokemon puts out. And sometimes you're putting the wrong archetype in the wrong player's hands, and that could be misleading and, you know, absolve that trust as you were talking about. So I do I do really appreciate your honesty on that, and I feel like that's a really cool perspective to take on the whole um, thing. So where can people watch and consume your content? YouTube is by far where I post the most. I'm trying to post more to Instagram and Twitter. Or, uh, well, you know, I'm a casual on Twitter, but I, Instagram and TikTok, I try to post some shorts. Um, but yeah, YouTube is predominantly where I put out my videos and stuff. No, and that's awesome. And then like, this is like a super in-depth question. You can answer it as, uh, you know, in-depth as you want to, but what are your short-term and long-term goals with the Pokemon TCG? Short-term is to just try to improve as a player. And then as I improve, those who are around me will start to improve as well. It's very much a team mindset, very much when I go to the gym and I go to jujitsu, I, you know, I'm a black belt. I teach. I am never upset when my students try to catch me in a submission or they almost get something or they do something really like some people do get, you know, bothered by lower belts, like attempting submissions and doing the better they get, the better I get. And I try to apply that same ideal to Pokemon. If I can get better then everyone else around me gets better as well. So that's kind of short term. Long term is just to foster a, just a really good community centered around inclusion, centered around enjoying the Pokemon trading card game or the Pokemon franchise as a whole, enjoying each other's company and just being that welcoming space for new returning players. Or even if you are a seasoned veteran, I don't want anyone to feel excluded. I do play competitive and meta relevant decks, uh, but I just want those who are in my community and circle to know that I'm going to stand up for them and that we're all part of, we're all enjoying this hobby together. And I think that's the, the beauty of Pokemon. It's something that I will not allow to be tarnished in my community. 
No, absolutely. I like that. It, it, that that's a really like good that. note, too, because so, there's such a bad taste in people's mouth from Pokemon Twitter and Burbank City and stuff like that. Um, it's refreshing to see creators such as yourself want to you know, engage with people at any capacity. doesn't matter your walk of life, age, you know, skill requirement. Do not it's care. Not necess- yeah, absolutely, and that's that's fantastic. And I know a lot of people in the PCS podcast community very much so in the same camp. Uh, but I think we know not enough about you now to ask you yeah. some, re- some real tough questions <laughs> about Pokemon cards and stuff like that. Uh, so Let's we're transitioning into the MetaShare study. Uh, MetaShare study is brought to you by Ink Gaming. Ink Gaming has a wide variety of custom play mats, dice bags, face masks, sleeves, dice, and deck boxes. So when you use the code PCSPOD10 at checkout, you'll receive 10% off those wonderful items at inkgaming.com. All right, Crown Zenith is here. Uh, it's coming out this Friday. Uh, it should be on shelves this Friday. Uh, what cards are we getting, and what do we think is going to shake up the meta? For this, we've made a compilation of some cards uh, that we're all very excited about to come into our standard format. And Nick, why don't you go ahead and talk about your cards, and then uh, Justin, you'll give your thoughts, and then I'll close out the thoughts, and we'll move on to the next card in that order. Okay. Sure. I'm going to start with one that I think is absolutely awful. And <laughs> I it's... It's not. It's notable in the sense of how bad it is, at least at first glance. And that is Radiant Chargebug. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I've recently learned that I pronounce a lot of Pokemon names wrong, so whatever. Uh, but it does have the ability Shocking Block. Whenever a player attaches an energy card from their hand to one of their Pokemon V, put two damage counters on that Pokemon. Now it says whenever any player, which includes you. So your own Pokemon is going to take damage every time you attach energy from hand. However, it does only affect Pokemon V, so that's kind of cool. But at the same time, the three biggest decks right now mostly accelerate energy from the deck. Arceus accelerates from the deck. Lugia accelerates from the deck. Mew has the ability to accelerate from the deck. I mean, what, what other... Lost Box a lot of times can accelerate through the deck from Mirage Gate. So you're not even using this ability in a lot of your really important matchups. Yes, can you get 20, 40 damage here and there with this thing? Absolutely. Is it worth your Radiant slot? I don't think so. Yeah, I I was going to say I'd have to completely agree. That's the first thing I was going to say, if you didn't say it, was... The fact that so many of the big decks right now, like like you said, they all accelerate from the deck, so it's not doing any damage. I mean, the only thing I could even think of is you have like a lot of players in Lost Boxes, like they'll attach an energy just to retreat a Comfy or something like that. But I mean, other than... They have scoop-up nets, scenario, like whatever. Yeah, exactly. Unless there's a weird scenario where they, they are out of all their, their scoop-up nets or their escape ropes, which is rare right off the bat. I mean, yeah, I'd someone's got to love charge bug for making this a card but at the same time it's just yeah that ability is not as good at least right now that we you know we think it's going to be yeah i i'm kind of in the same camp but think about how good this is against shadow rider the best <laughs> <in> the <format. laughs> uh, yeah if you were camp. playing this a year ago a year and a half ago i'd be all in on it in my urshifu deck but like not anymore <laughs> Yeah, no, I tend to agree. I think maybe there's an aggressive way to play it with things like uh, Hazuian Zorark, where you want to have those damage counters down and you're just out of reach of a stadium. 
Radiant Charger Bug is just a level ball away from you, you know, getting that extra damage in, but it's at the same time just not that great. It does have an attack though, for one lightning it does linear attack, and it does 30 damage to one of your opponent's Pokemon, so, uh, there's Stop that, it. which is cool. <laughs> no, it's not. There's also Manaphy, too. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, it's true. All right. Uh, go ahead. Go with your second card. We might as well go with the other Radiant Pokemon, Radiant Eternatus, that has a very interesting ability. When It's called Climactic Gate. When you play this Pokemon from your hand onto your bench during your turn, you may search your deck for up to two Pokemon VMAX and put them onto your bench. Shuffle your deck, and if you use this ability, your turn ends, which is the really rough part about this this ability here. Because there's so much that I would want to do after. Can you imagine slapping down... Just two Arceus Duraldon V uh, Duraldon V Maxes, and then just going ahead playing Scoop Up Net to put pick this thing up, and then you could just Trinity Charge or Trinity Nova to start to really power up those Duraldons. It's like it would be so amazing, but the fact that it ends your turn really, really makes it a little bit more difficult. And you have to play it from your like you have to use the ability when you play it from the hand to the bench, which means you can't start this Pokemon, which is a little bit unfortunate. But it has a good attack. Power, Power Beam does 200 damage. No downside. You do need a Fire Dark and Colas to do it. But things like Lost Box can do it. And uh, Lugia Dex can do it pretty handily. Yeah, I learned that firsthand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, this card, like when it first got announced, I was, I was in the same boat. Like I thought this was so cool. I was so prepared to like build decks around it. And it can be good. And I think maybe like the deck is still waiting to be found for it to work perfectly with but um one of one of our testing group guys he's trying to make this work for orlando and a few decks and it seemed uh, out of variance base he like he would either start it and it was stuck or um you know i was testing reggie's at the time and they would put something down and it ends their turn and i'm like cool i'm gonna serena that v max you put up that has nothing to because you didn't have a ch- chance to put a parasol on it or anything for instance they were doing um like Espeon and stuff to try to help with accelerating energies or uh, protecting it with energies. But they didn't have a chance to put energy on it because their turn ended. And it just was like, I don't know. It was just the fact that it, again, that it ends your turn is like, was that one big negative on it. Um, the cool thing is, yeah, like you said, the Lost Box, I do feel like it has a really good spot in there because you can just kind of go through your comfy engine and then play this down once you get enough for a Mirage Gate and then just next turn accelerate energies. But yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's gonna have a hard spot, I think, for a little while until someone finds that perfect V Max for it. Which I think I have a couple of good options. Uh, I, I someone in this call can tell us a little bit about things like Duraludon and Flying Pikachu V Max being really good picks for it. Um, so, th- and this is what I played two locals this past week. I played a Radiant Eternatus single strike box and it did have a one of uh, Flying Pikachu VMAX just for the Lost Box matchup. Uh, I did play against Reggie's. And you mentioned, Justin, that you played Reggie's this weekend as well. I played against yeah. Reggie's. It was the only game I won of the three I played. Oh, really? Yeah, I beat Reggie's because the the Flying Pikachu VMAX, I just couldn't handle it, even with the Blizzard Bind to just retreat KO with the Eternatus and then they don't do enough to knock out the Eternatus, and I just retreat back into the Pikachu in the next turn. But yeah, and that and well, and that was that was the big thing. So that's actually exactly what my my buddy was testing. It was uh, Duraludon, Flying Pikachu with Espeon V Max, um, and yeah, it just kept going. Like I just would 
and granted we were testing together so i kind of know a little bit about the deck and stuff like that so i would like i would purposely like hold the path and the the serena for that right like let me go in and just knock this thing out but that's you know that's always not going to be the scenario in a you know in a regional or something like that but right so yeah but yeah that flying pikachu can be rough too that's for sure especially for reggie's it's one of those things that if you are able to pull off the eternatus ability your first turn it's very unlikely that your opponent's going to be able to do much about it because they still have to set up they still need their attackers going they still have to power up their pokemon so uh yes i they could serena or boss up that v max yeah sure but once it's in the active what are they gonna do i play it with the lugia engine so i don't care if it's in the active i just power it up from the bench like from using the archaeops so it's i don't if if you can make it happen i think it has potential to be pretty solid it's just making it happen can be really awkward at times and puts you in some uncomfortable situations which is why i actually like playing it in the lugia deck because if i don't find it or I, it's not a good time to use. Maybe it's a weird matchup, something, whatever's happening. I could just play a Lugia deck for the most part. Yeah, I don't have Radiant Charizard anymore, but you still play a Lugia deck. It's still really strong. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I do think it's going to find its place um, for sure, but that's interesting. I've never seen it in the Lugia deck like that, so I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I'll send you a list later. Yeah, or you can just watch the video of me getting mopped up by it. That works too. Uh, <laughs> yeah let's get those click views on there yeah, so i'll do that right. um, so i think that it's cheeky uh i like radiated eternatus being able to put big v maxes into play and give your opponent little to nothing um in terms of like first turn 320 330s um when it comes to knockouts uh my thing is you could put it in play with things like quad kyrum v max or like quad shadow rider v max self accelerate to yourself and just play like 40 energy and it would it would be a fun meme and I, that's that's kind of the cool thing about cards that have like competitive focus plus meme potential um it, it you can never really go wrong with that i think radiant Eternatus definitely adds something to the end of our vmax set that's going to make this a very fun card to play around with I agree. Crickets. Cool. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, we'll go into uh, your last card. Yeah, I feel like I spent way too much talk- time talking. Uh, the last one is Hatterene VMAX, and it's really funny that we are getting the last Gigantamax Pokemon in the very last set. Uh, I was wondering when we were going to get this, but it has a pretty cool ability, which is Domain, once during your turn. You may move up to two damage counters from one of your Pokemon to your opponent's active Pokemon. Which is super, super cool. Uh, it's almost like it's like a better Radiant Alakazam, except it's on a three prize VMAX, so like not better by any means. But it's uh, it's really cool to be able to heal a little bit of damage off of you and move it to uh, your opponent's active, where maybe you weren't getting the KO before, uh, and that works perfectly with its own attack, Max Divine Wrath which does 150, now your opponent's active Pokemon is confused for a Psychic Double Colorless. So you hit for 150, you're not two-shotting a VMAX, but with this ability, now you can, which is actually really cool. It just kind of fixes a little bit of awkward math here and there. And you can use this from the bench, which is really nice. You can 
take damage from Pokemon that are on your bench, which is really cool. So you know it doesn't even have to be your active if you're attacking with the fresh Pokemon. And if you have multiple of these, you could do it multiple times. So you can potentially move 60, 80, you know, 100 damage from your bench Pokemon to your opponent's active, which is really cool. I don't think that'll ever really happen, but I'm sure we'll see an LDF video in the future where it does. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, we found the uh, the partner for that uh, Radiant Charger Bug, too, I guess, with the, <laughs> the Hatterene VMAX. So you can attach the energy to it and then put move the damage counters. But, uh, yeah, I... I like the ability. The only downside is the fact that it is that three prize attacker. Um, yeah. You know, that's, if it was maybe like a two prize or even some kind of crazy like stage two but one prizer, I think it would see a little more play. But yeah, just the three prizer, especially with the, the big return of dark decks right now, especially Eternatus. Um, unfortunately, I just think it's I think it's a little bit of a got a target on its back if it's if it's played right now. But it is a really cool ability for sure. Yeah, I don't think it'll see a ton of play. I think it's just a, a really interesting kind of cool card. Oh, for sure. It's definitely interesting. It's like, and people have been asking for so long where the Hatterene VMAX was, yeah. and we finally got it. So it is cool to see that they actually acknowledge that too. Yeah, very cool. Uh, so I think, and this is just from a silly perspective, I suppose, um, if Drapion plus Arceus and or Lost Box plus Mirage Gate didn't exist i think hatterene would be very very good but now it just kind of feels like every deck plays drapion which could kind of take advantage of hatterene being eternally weak to dark and for three prizes with that being said um i think that a control player with some really good sequencing could find a way to move eight damage counters at a time move the rest of them off heal them with like radiant serena or just move them all to gengar move them all to uh what is it, the Baby Gardevoir and so on and so forth, and just loop Cheryl and make this a very, very difficult deck to get over, but in a format without Drapion. Uh, that, that's just such a splashable attacker for four colorless that could just destroy Hatterene, which feels real bad. But uh, other than that, I still think that uh, it has some playability. Yeah, I didn't really think about like the control that. too much, but I can I could definitely see that being the case. Uh, but it, yeah, again, it's just, I don't know how how impactful it'll, it'll really be. You know, maybe maybe you have like a Sander or someone else who's really good at control, just you know, wrecking house with it. But is it something that I would ever have to worry about or tech for? Probably not. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I, <laughs> you see it, and you're just like, yeah, I'll just take the auto well if they make this work. Yeah, if I if I on the super off chance that I hit this. Yeah, whatever. You got a good game, but like, also, I'm still gonna make you try to set it up first. You just splash it into play yeah, with the uh, Eternatus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Easy peasy, no problem. Yeah, done. No, done, done. <laughs> All right, so we broke the format. Yeah, exactly. This uh, us three perfect testing group right here. Uh, so I'm selfish because I am the uh, I guess the guy who introduces the podcast. I'm I'm picking four cards because that's just how I be. My first card is the new Baby Zamazenta. Uh, 130 HP metal type Pokemon has the ability metal shield that this Pokemon has any energy attached to it. it takes 30 less damage from attacks and then it has an attack for two metal and one colorless called retaliate it does 100 base damage and if any of your Pokemon were knocked out during your opponent's last turn this attack does 120 more damage I love this card I think that 
with Metal Saucer still in the format, it has it could be a very, very viable attacker. I still think Mirage Gate can also accelerate to this in a very optimal way. But it hits like a brick, man. 220 if your opponent knocks something out the previous turn. That's bonkers. Yeah, that's really what solid. Metal Saucer, Mirage Gate, Raihan. You have so many ways of getting three energies onto this thing. You can literally Metal Saucer... You know, attach return, Raihan, and then find your scoop up net to get whatever's out of the active. There you go. Now you're hitting for 220. And it also takes 30 less, so you have to effectively hit it back for 160 on a basic Pokemon. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, this was going to be one of my cards, so I saw you chose it because, I mean, this thing is just. I think it's probably one of the better cards out of this entire set um, that we're getting. It's just. It's, it's so good. We're already seeing it make so much waves in, over in Japan. Like. I mean, just dominating over there as a one of or two of in these Lost Box decks. But yeah, like like Nine Card said, the fact that you got to hit 160 to be able to one-shot it if it doesn't have anything else on it, like a, a cape or a big charm or something like that, and it's hitting back that 220, I mean, that's that's pretty massive for a single prizer. It, it's so good. Oh yeah, cape brings it to 210 HP on a single prize basic? Whew, that is yeah. actually real scary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I do really, really like this card. And oh, it was so is it 210 with a cape that you would yeah. have to hit? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's just out of Radiant Charizard range. Because <laughs> if you put the, the. No, it's not Fire Weakness. Yeah. So if you put the coating energy on it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was yeah, thinking yeah, you, you could, you could uh, escape that, but you can't. Unfortunately. Nah, 250 is a little high. Yeah, just a little bit. All right, so my next card is the new Luxray. And I. I don't know what I'm going to play this with, but I definitely want to play a deck with four of these. It's got 160 HP. It's a lightning Pokemon stage two. Its ability, explosive power. This Pokemon is in your hand when you're setting up to play. You may put it down as a as your active Pokemon. And for one colorless, it does Seeking Fangs for 50, and you search your deck for up to two trainer cards, reveal them, and then put them into your hand. Shuffle your deck afterwards, but the best part about this is it has free retreat, so you're not punished for starting this. That is really interesting. I don't know how much I care for the attack. 50 is fine. Search a deck for two trainers, but in a format with Marnie and Judge, uh, I guess some someone's probably still playing Roxanne somewhere. Um, it, it's okay. But if they don't Marnie you, if they have to dig really hard, now you just got two trainer cards. Pretty cool. Um, Explosive Power is a really good ability. I do not know what you put this in. Yeah, I, was, I actually, this was another card that I was going to pick too as well, Drew, and then I said he chose it. But <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I mean, seriously, because uh, so we've seen this kind of ability in the past. Uh, I forget exactly which format, but where it was like a stage two, and it might have even been a Luxray no, as well. No, it's Talonflame. Um, Talonflame, yeah. It was something like that where it's like if you started it, you could just automatically put down as your active, um, which I always thought was a really cool just ability, honestly, on these, these stage twos, which are normally hard to set up. But, you know, just since I've played a bit of control in my time and stuff like that i just think it is really cool and i think someone is going to find a way to make like sander or something going to make uh seeking fangs work in their advantage they're going to kind of energy denial and have things where they can continue to get trainer cards that they need from their deck and kind of loop them is it going to be this format i don't know maybe next format when we get rotation um because we will lose marnie granted we'll see that those judge counts go up but i mean after so many judges, and especially if you're denying them because we will still have Crushing Hammer again, um, you know, they're going to run out of judges at a certain point, and then you can just keep getting what you need. So I, I think this will see some play in maybe like a control style deck. 
Um, but the fact that it does have that free retreat as well, too, just makes it a really good um, pivot Pokemon, especially if, if nothing just for that alone. Um, but other than that, if you don't start it, it just ends up being a dead card, so we'll have to see. Right, and one note I want to make before we transition to the next card, uh, the comeback mechanic that Pokemon keeps preaching with the Scarlet Violet set, if Luxray goes down, the competitive band becomes obviously stronger because your Pokemon are going to be doing 30 more damage with that attached to your other Pokemon. Uh, that becomes one of the cards that you grab uh, pending a knockout on Luxray. Uh, it won't feel so bad, and Seeking Fangs actually doing 50 damage um, on top of being able to grab you two trainer cards, I feel like it's just, it's not a bad way to start going turn two. Like, you're bopping Sobbles as long as they're in the format for right now. So, it's, uh, I think that that's where the competitive merit lies. Not that it's going to be, like, your best attacker or anything like that, but because it does small chip damage, plus giving you access and pivot, it just seems too multifaceted not to include. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Very cool. My next card is going to be Kyogre. Uh, it's a basic Pokemon, 140 HP, water type. Uh, it has a attack called Wave Summoning for one colorless. You search your deck for a water energy card attached to this Pokemon, then shuffle your deck. And it's next attack for three water and one colorless dynamic wave. You put three energy attached to this Pokemon into your hand, and this attack does 180 damage to one of your opponent's Pokemon. Don't apply weakness and resistance. Weak to lightning and a retreat cost of three. <laughs> that attack cost though. Oh. Right, he's, just he's just frost moth loop all day long, baby. <laughs> I guess for a couple months. Yeah, 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 for a couple months it'll be fun. Uh, no, I, I actually brought it to light because I think in GLC this is going to be a lot of fun. Being able to rinse and repeat with frost moth, be able to grab it out of the discard pile with Nessa or you know stretcher and other things like that. Uh, being able to do 180 snipe is kind of sick. I don't think it's going to see a lot of meta play unless we get a really good water accelerator in our upcoming Scarlet Violet cards, but this this is a card I think in GLC could see a lot of success. I know nothing about GLC, so I can't provide any in, of, insight there. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> but it oh no, you froze up for a second, Drew. Did I? Oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> you're good. You're back. Am I? Okay. Very good. Yep. All right, but overall thoughts, Dick, what do you think about this card? I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really all I got to say, but I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan. Well, again, can, can it work? Can you get wins using this card? Absolutely. Can you time it well so that you are uh, taking that last two prize or three prize uh, KO on something that maybe ran off to the bench and you take advantage of the fact that they don't have Manaphy, they're not expecting something like a bench snipe to come in. Yeah, absolutely. But for three waters and a call, it's going to be really hard to use things like Mirage Gate on it. It's going to be really hard to just power this up in a single turn. So the second your opponent sees something like this, again, unless you have that Frostmoth engine going. Uh, but if you're if you're not, then uh, I just don't I just don't see it really being that useful uh, enough at a time to make me care about this. Totally understood, Justin. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm in the I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I don't know a ton about GLC either, but I I, I just think it's too high of an attack cost um, and too specific of an attack cost to really be super viable. And everyone everyone is playing Manaphy right now too. I mean. It just just makes sense um, 
to play it in this this kind of format. And then can we also just talk about how they did this card dirty with putting a yellow border on this image right here instead of the new silver borders? Uh, I actually had to. I know I, the listeners can't see this. I had to make this card so that you guys could read ah. it because it wasn't translated. Because apparently nobody else look likes at them photoshops. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, can, you you can theoretically power this up in a single turn. You Raihan a water energy. Then you attach a water energy, then Mirage Gate for a water and something else. And there you go. There's four energies. Can it happen? Ooh, 180 sure. Damage. 180 damage. <laughs> 180. Yeah, for, for all that. And then you still have to get it into the active somehow. So it's like a lot to do for 180 that might just have to go to the active if your opponent has mana fee in play already. So... Yeah. You guys are, and then you, you guys have to try haters. to do it again two turns in a row. <laughs> right. You guys are all a bunch of haters. <laughs> yeah, that's... You know, you're not going to play four Wash Energy in Lugia to splash the 180 Snipe Kyogre in. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and then you put them all back in your hand. If you get Barney, you get to do it again. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I'm theory crafting. Let me have my fun. All right, my last card. I, I really, really do like this card. Sasha and V-Star, 278 HP metal pokemon uh for two metal and one colorless it does breaking edge for 200 and it's shred this attack isn't affected by weakness resistance or any effects of your opponent's active pokemon and its v-star power is star sword for two metal and two colorless does 310 damage and 30 damage to itself i didn't realize that breaking edge isn't affected by weakness which means if you hit into like an ice rider v max for some reason uh you're not knocking it out which is a little unfortunate it is a little frustrating but at least it's got a caveat you know because obviously duraludon swings for no weaknesses so i think that that's what keeps it relatively balanced if things like sylveon got pretty good zashin would just continue to push that card down and so on and so forth uh but i do like shred for 200 yeah i think i think it's fine uh Throw a choice ball down there. You're knocking out most Pokemon V's. Uh, it's fine. Uh, it's it's just a very it's a good attack, right? The shred being able to go through like mill tanks and stuff is really valuable. Uh, it hits for good damage. It's not impossible to set up two metals in a colorless. Isn't that hard? Especially if, depending on what you pair it with. You throw it in an Arceus deck, a Lost Box deck, whatever. Um, it's pretty easy to get those three energies. Yeah, and I've seen. Yeah, oh, I, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. No, I was going to say, I, I, I like the, the fact that it's like, it is Shred too. I think if you're going for its regular attack, the, the regular V is better if you're not having to Shred. Obviously, 230. Um, but yeah, this thing, when you use its V-Star attack, that thing just hits like a brick house, dude. It's, so I think it's a good finisher card um, in a deck. Or if you need Shred, obviously, for Breaking Edge. But um, yeah, no, I think this, this card just hits really hard, and that's, that's the, big, the big thing about this card. For sure. And what I was going to notate before Justin kind of chimed in, a lot of people were playing it with the Celebration Zashin as well, being able to uh, pump that one Psychic Energy onto itself, because you can yeah. Metal Saucer to it once it's evolved, you set yourself up an energy early, um, Intrepid Sword has the potential to do more energy, but the Psychic one has um, promised energy attachment unless you prize them all. Uh, so there's you know a balance to be found there as well, but I still think that um, as a, you know, just a very streamlined, hard-hitting attacker, Zashin doesn't have a lot of variety, but it will delete stuff off of the board, which is uh, something that Zashin didn't have a lot of capabilities to do before. Yeah, three hard metal energies is can be a little challenging, especially if you whiff your 
your salsa and then you have to start researching away a lot of a lot of cards maybe you have to marnie away things that you needed but you have to get an attack off otherwise you're just going to be too far behind in the prize trade so i I actually do really like the idea of using the celebrations i see and get that energy on there and then it's just a evolved metal saucer attached you're ready to go that's it's actually pretty cool yep for sure and then justin we're gonna go ahead and dive into your cards yeah, so um, the first one I chose is the new Bidoof um, from the set. So HP 60, uh, it's ability Calm uh, calm Countenance. Yes. I didn't even know that was the actual ability name. As long as this Pokemon is on your bench, prevent all damage done to this, done to this Pokemon by attacks, both yours and your opponent's. Um, and then just attack, Hyper Fang for two colorless, does 30, flip a coin, if Tails attack does nothing. Um, I kind of just included this, I think... Depending the deck um, structure, this could be just a good replacement for the other Bidoof. Um, granted, it's got 60 le- less HP, but it allows you in certain scenarios to not have to play Manaphy, um, which kind of opens up a card space. So I think this could see some play in some decks like that. Um, it just all is kind of what you're feeling, how you're wanting to build your deck, things like that. Obviously, extra HP is always better, but this has kind of a built-in... Um, you know, safeguard, I guess, or new terrestrial ability, actually. Yeah. <laughs> now, I have a question, and I don't I don't know the answer, but it says prevent all damage done to this Pokemon by attacks, both yours and your opponent's. If you attack with Drapion, which says deal 60 damage to one of your Pokemon, if you put it on this Bidoof, is it ignored? That's actually a really good question, and that would be insane if that was because that that could be a pretty good use for the Bidoof. It's like, all right, fine, I don't care if it has sixty health. I'm gonna put sixty damage on it. It's not gonna take because of the ability, and then I just evolve into the Beebrel next turn, and now I can start using it, you know, for its intended use of drawing cards. That, that's that is actually really sick. That's I mean that's a good catch on the wording there because based on the wording on there that would be the case because you with Drapion you target which Pokemon you're going to put thirty damage counters on, um, and if you target Bidoof, this prevents that damage from happening. I gotta look at the get... text from Drapion. Sorry to cut you off and just see what the actual uh, attack says. But go ahead, Drew. I'm sorry. I'm wondering if PTCGO would just negate you from being able to target Bidoof because it would prevent it. I don't see why it would. Because I'm tar- I'm targeting, it's like a stack, no? Like, I'm saying, I'm going to choose this one to do it, and then nothing happens. Just like, I can target Miltank for an attack with a Palkia V-Star, I can hit it. It just nothing happens. It doesn't take the it doesn't take the damage. Right. Right. Yeah. You can still target things. So like for instance, with Reggie, since I played it this weekend, the the one Regilucky that does forty to two bench Pokemon. If they have Manaphy down, it prevents the damage from happening. But I still can technically target two because um, that's part of the attack. It's just Manaphy prevents it from targeting those. So. I would think that's that's a yeah like I said that's a really good question because I doesn't say it can't be targeted it just says it prevent the damage right very cool interesting yeah so, broken format card yeah, so, so Don fans coming in hot then now right <laughs> oh yeah with the earthquake just a whole bench of those <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm drawing what, what, cards forever but only with one Don fan. 
Dragonite has the same attack that does 20 to or 10 or whatever to all of your bench Pokemon. Not the Bidoof. So now you just get a bunch of Bidoofs and you're set. Forget about your Comfies. This this is the real strategy. Get rid of your Comfies for Bidoofs, Dragonite. Done. You, you, you're going to win regionals. Yeah, exactly. So you game-winning strategy right here. You're we welcome. We all agree that this is probably the correct Bidoof if you can't target it with Grapion. Yeah. I think yeah, regardless, this just has Bench Barrier. Because now you're like, cool, we'll Gust Bidoof and I'll uh, cancel in Cologne, but then I still can't attack the bench. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That And that was kind of my one of my thoughts I meant to, I completely forgot to add. But yeah, everyone brings up the um, the Manaphy usually canceling clones and then will knock out the setup Pokemon on the bench. Well, this can't be Greninja'd um, from the bench, so. Yep, very cool. Next card. Yep, so next up, um, I chose Zamazenta V-Star. Um, I think this is a really good card. Um, it's got 270 HP, uh, Giga Impact for 220. It's two steel and a colorless. This Pokemon on, uh, can't attack during your next turn, but the real one is the V-Star ability with Star Shield. Um, you, may, you may use this ability during your turn. During your opponent's next turn, all your Pokemon take 100 less damage from your opponent's Pokemon's attacks. You can't use... Oh, God... It's more than one blurry. V-Star power in a game. Okay, yeah, sorry. The photo was, was blurry. But um, I just think for... Granted, you have to be running the Zamazenta for something already, but I think just the fact of preventing 100 damage to all your Pokemon, not just this Pokemon itself, um, can really throw your opponent off for a turn. Um, and I think that's why this will see some play, because people are going to try to like build up for a one-hit KO to finish a game, and this is going to say, nope, I just got an extra turn. The issue I have is that is this V-Star power that much better than all the other ones we have? Is it really worth using this uh, in, in, a, in a game as opposed to something like a Star Birth or you know, some other really good V-Star ability? I think it is a good ability, but... As someone who has been advocating for Arceus Duraludon since Worlds, I mean, <laughs> I don't need a build-up to a big KO. I'm just going to hit you 220 every single turn, no matter what you do. I play single strike Urshifu. I just G-Max one blow. I'm knocking out whatever's in front of me, guaranteed, every single time. Yeah, that's true. I, we're, we're big Duraludon and Gujar fans over on this, these, this neck of the wind, so... Uh, I th- yeah, but I, what I think is it adds an extra layer, especially for Pokemon that are now having to evolve from, you know, small basics. And uh, if we go into, you know, the new EXs, yeah, they get a lot of HP, but you need a lot of setup. And I think Zamazenta can provide that, you know, that comfy shield, if you will, uh, to allow you to have not necessarily a slower start, but because this is technically a stage one, if you're not finding all the pieces to get your stage two attackers into play, Zamazenta could buy you that turn or at least expend a lot of your opponent's resources to get there. And I think that Zamazenta provides that. Does it though? Because let's it, how much HP does a Gardevoir EX is expected to be a really good EX? It evolves from Curlia. It's a stage Curlia's a stage one. How much health does Curlia have? Ninety. It has right? ninety. So now we gotta do hundred and ninety damage to it. In the early stages of Scarlet and Violet, when people are probably going to be playing Vs still, um, is it really going to help that much? Doing one 190 is pretty easy. 
to one Pokemon. Yeah, to, yeah, sure, to one Pokemon. But you don't see that much Ben snipe that uh, right now, anyway. So whatever. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like Zamazenta could provide it so that if you don't get Manaphy down, Urshifu just does, negates every like the other Urshifu negates all of your setup because you're just rapid flow, rapid flow. Go find more routes. Yes, that's possible. But now you still have to set up the Zamazenta. Maybe it buy like I said, maybe it buys you that turn. But uh, I, I don't know if I'm particularly convinced of it. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I included this because I think it is a strong ability, but I do agree that there are obviously a lot better abilities out there. And then, actually, I didn't even think about the fact that something like Duraludon actually just shreds through that. So, like, even though it's taking 100 less, well, Duraludon says ignore effects, so it shreds right through that anyway, so... Duraludon's still taking a big knockout, or Single Strike Urshifu, with its big attack, shreds right through the 100 reduction. Which Urshifu's not worth worrying about at the moment. So, like, I, but Duraludon is, Giratina's always in the back of my yeah. mind as something yep. that could pop back into Lost Zone decks, especially once Rotation comes around. We don't have to worry about Yveltal, Radiant Charizard nonsense as much, uh, because Lugia's likely not to see as much play. Uh, you know, those big Shred attacks, those big Star Requiems, where I don't care how much damage reduction you take i'm just gonna instantly ko your active anyway uh you know that stuff is something to consider yeah yeah exactly so so i think those will probably keep this down some but either way it's still i think a really cool ability yes and last but not least we have the sky seal stone justin what do you like about this card buddy yeah, so I think this is another one of those cards that's super hyped up coming out of this set. Um, but Sky Steel Stone is another one of the stones like we've seen. Um, but it can be attached to a Pokemon V or V-Star. Um, and then it gives it the ability, you may use this ability during your turn. During yeah, during this turn, when it... I can't even read it. Anyways, what it does, it uh, literally allows your Pokemon to take... Oh, where'd it go? I made it bigger. I deleted. Oh, okay, there we go. Um... I'm blind, guys, if you can't tell. <laughs> when damage from this attack of your basic Pokemon V knocks out your opponent's active Pokemon V-Star or V-Max, take one additional prize card. So um, it's seen a lot of play in decks that have like basic Vs like Drapion and stuff like that, but pretty much it's adding an extra prize. It's, it's ADP on a one-turn ability. Um, it's just... I think it's pretty good inclusion in some decks especially if you're expecting to see a lot of muse and things like that just attach it to a drapion usability and now you're taking four prize cards so all you got to do is take out another mu v or a genesect i mean it's it's really good and this is a card that's actually turning me off from a lot of v decks for orlando right now what pokemon aside from drapion really makes use of this glarian zapdos I was going to say, yeah, Zapdos has seen some play. Raikou's seen some play. Um, there, there's a few of them out there. Uh, yeah. Even Palkia V can hit pretty hard, too. It's it's very specific. It has to be a basic. It has to be a V. Obviously, to attach it, it has to be to a V. And it has to be into a V-Star or a V-Max. So I I think Drapion's ob- the, the obvious answer. Glaring Zapdos is pretty cool. Uh, it does. How much does the attack do? One seventy. One seventy deletes the special energy. Yeah. So that's pretty good, unless you're hitting into a uh, something that's weak to fighting. You're not taking a one shot there because you can't have this and a belt. And even if you did have a belt, you're not knocking out a V Star with Zapdos. 
um, Raikou, Entei, Suicune, those kind of things could be kind of cool. Uh, using this in like, I think like a Suicune Ludicolo style deck is is really where I see it getting the most. But then, you know, you're, you use this to like close out the game, get that last, you know, uh, that fourth prize or that third prize knocking out a V-Star. You go and use a enthusiastic dance do an extra 100 damage you attach this thing onto your suicune now that lugia v star you're knocking out gives you three prizes there you go that's your that's your game you knocked out one before you knocked out their charizard or their yoveltal and now you got your six prizes so i think it can be really cool if you have the right setup i just i i I just feel like the setup is so weird you know you can't even i don't know i'm i'm optimistic about this card but i'm unconvinced like many of the cards you've seen in this set (laughs) yeah it's like it's not a very impactful set but it does have a hint of some stuff that could shake up the meta and at least keep people on their toes when it comes to things like orlando um my big thing with the sky seal stone is there are a lot of impactful v's that just aren't seeing a lot of play right now because of the uh the stigma behind trading two prizes for two prizes right with the v star meta um you're sending up a very strong raikou to go take care of lugia but then at the same time, you might have taken two prizes, but then you're giving up two prizes. And um, at what cost and how did you overextend yourself to get there? Sky Steel, Sky, Sky Steel Stone gives you a little bit more of that comfortable, um, okay, so I'm sending up a two-prize attacker to go take three prizes on Arceus, Palkia, Lugia, uh, what have you. Uh, things like Starmie can come up and punish things like... Uh, Duraludon or Gudra as well because they hit 50 times the amount of energy that's spread and Arceus decks are notorious for doing that very well and I think that Sky Seal Stone is just kind of better in trading out those two prizes for two prizers. If we, st- I am saying it here, if we start to see an increase, like, a, like an actual increase, I don't mean going from zero to one because no one's playing Starmie right now, but if we see an, like, Actual decks starting to play Starmie and Sky Seal Stone, I will donate $25 to whatever it is you want me to. Very, very good. <laughs> you heard it for your there, first, yeah. guys. Play the Starmies, play the Sky Seal Stones. I could really use $25 <laughs> to donate to whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I really do see this. Like, So the biggest thing I've seen this in so far, and obviously this is Japanese medicine, since they've had these cards for a little bit now, um, is in a lot of Lost Box decks. Um, and it's because they're going in and they're setting up math with Cramorants and Sableyes. And then they're coming in on that pivotal turn where there's like a damaged VMAX or V-Star on the bench. That then they can play that Raikou down, Mirage Gate, put this on there. And then take... So they're, they're setting up math early games to be able to finish off with this. Or at least take a very pivotal knockout... Um, and I think that's honestly the best place for this card because you can set up that math and things like that. Um, it's just, you know, you're hoping that they don't heal, but at the same time, like, you can pretty much, with most of the Vs we talked about, like the, the Zapdos, the Raikou, um, all those things, you can literally play it down, Mirage Gate, and attach this all in one turn and be good to go. So even if they do, your opponent heals on their previous turn, you just don't play it down again that turn. You wait another turn to reset up math and things like that. So... That's the scariest thing for me, especially, like we said, I'm an Arceus Duraludon player um, by heart. I haven't been playing it lately. Um, but, I mean, Echoing Horn has always scared me, and then this thing also scares me now because they're taking just that extra prize card that kind of 
fixes that math. So instead of three going two three three, they're going two four pretty much, and it's just you know it, it's like okay, that's the game. I don't have have to worry about echoing horn at this point anymore because of that. I could see it being used in lost decks. Uh, that that does make sense. Yep. But also, one thing I want to notate: how it says active Pokemon V Star V Max. Why do we not have any targeted V Union cards? I was thinking that actually. Yeah, like we haven't had anything in the format that's like if your opponent has a V Union in play, blah happens. Because why are we gonna punish them? It's already so not worth it ninety percent of the time. <laughs> like, and never gonna true, we're gonna yeah. make it <laughs> like if your opponent manages manages to do the impossible and get this V Star out or the V Union out before you you win the game. Basically, we're gonna punish them by saying, okay, now we do extra whatever extra damage take an extra prize whatever it is uh that, that's ridiculous I, we just can't have it no 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 they worked so hard for it <laughs> yeah they, they knew what they were doing we should punish them <laughs> isn't playing the v union punishment enough oh 100 for sure yeah for the most part it is all right so with all the cards out in the open and there's a lot of other stuff coming in this set too we just summarize what we think is worth mentioning how do you see the meta shaking up is it still going to be lugia bdif or is hatterene going to come out and shut the whole game down <laughs> i think lugia probably is still the the best deck although um i i i'm a big fan of duraldon the three i have several decks built like with you know physical cards uh, and the three that I'm always torn between playing in a regionals or playing in a locals or whatever is Lugia, Duraludon, Lost Box. Those are the three decks that I cycle through the most. Uh, so, And I don't really see it changing too, too much. Maybe some Crown Zenith uh, Radiant Eternatus deck makes it to Justin Basil's top eight list for a week because everybody's playing it. So naturally, it's more likely to get points because everyone's playing it. Uh, and then after a month or two, it stops seeing, you know, real significant play. Yeah, I, I got to agree. I When the cards were, like, kind of first getting announced when it, forever ago, um, obviously the Radiant Eternatus, I was like, oh, I've got to keep that on my radar. The, I don't think there's going to be a lot that changes this up too much. Um, like I said, my biggest concern is going to be that Baby Zamazenta and the, the Sky Sealstone. But other than that, I think the meta pretty much stays the same. Lugia is going to stay pretty much one of the top decks. You're going to see Mew up there as well. You know, I think it's going to be pretty much the same with a couple new inclusions. Just play Lost Box. You don't have to worry about Sky Still Zone. You don't have Vs. And you're two-shotting the, uh, the Zamazenta with Cramorant anyway, so whatever. That's true. But RNG, that's where I'm going to I'm gonna flower selecting. It's going to be the two cards yeah, Always. I Happens every time. <laughs> yeah, no, I think with the uptick in the uh, the Lost Gooder deck that a lot of people were playing, I know the Sosa brothers were doing that at uh, San Diego, and it was very problematic. I think the inclusion of the new Baby Zamazenta could make that deck even stronger, as you have two Pokemon that now hit like a truck in the form of Gudra as well as Baby Zam. You're already playing the Mirage Gates. You already have plenty of metal energy in. You probably won't play as heavy of a Marnie line and something like that, although I know that that Marnie was very impactful to have included in those decks. Um, but I think out of everything, Zamazenta's the most impactful card single-handedly out of this whole set. And that, that might be favoritism on my part, but I think that 
Lost Box, aside from using Radiant Charizard, was kind of missing that single prize Pokemon that really just hit like a truck. And your game plan is already to basically give up a prize every turn, so you're triggering Zamazenta every single turn. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. That or Sky Silstone being the you know the, the two things that you should really pay attention to from this set. Very good, very good. And uh, I think that basically summarizes what Crown Zenith really does for a standard format. Obviously, I'm very excited to see what shows up and what people theorycraft with. Um, and if you guys have any ideas, make sure you're hitting up our Twitter uh, at PCS underscore pod. Uh, we'd love to uh, hear your thoughts and what you got out of Crown Zenith and what you're going to build decks with. Uh, but now we're going to move on to our card spotlight. The card spotlight is brought to you by Darth Gloom Productions. DG Productions is a West Coast-based tournament organizing group that can run and officiate your tabletop events, including Pokemon. So be sure to check out Darth Gloom on Instagram and Twitter. This week's card spotlight is focused on Radiant Greninja. It's currently $3.86 on TCG Player. What makes this card good in our format? Justin, I'll have you lead us off. Yeah, uh, so this card is just, it's its all around pretty good. I mean, the fact that you can conceal cards, um, which is the ability to discard an energy card from your hand, um, and it doesn't have to be a basic, it can be any energy if you want. Um, but then draw two cards. It does offer a lot of draw consistency, as well as that Moonlight uh, moonlight Shuriken, um, discarding two energies from the Pokemon and do 90 to two uh, Pokemon on the bench. I mean, this whole card, that attack itself, has triggered why so many people always have Manaphy in their their decks. I mean, because they're expecting a Radiant Greninja to come in and pop two things on the bench. So I think this card has really, really good utility, um, especially in things like the Lost Box, de- Lost Box decks because of that Mirage Gate. But yeah, it's just a, it's a really strong card for not a lot of cost. I mean, it's got it, got it all built into it. Nick, what are your thoughts, man? It's pretty much the same, right? It's that... The concealed cards ability is, is what most people use it for, at least I think, being able to combo, you know, combo that off with the, I'm going to conceal its cards, draw two, training corp, pick that back up, now I can discard it, that energy again with Quick Ball, and then I can Melanie or Raihan, you know, all utilizing a single energy card is really, really powerful, and on top of that, you just drew two cards, maybe three with Melody, search your deck for anything you want with Raihan, plus the energy acceleration. It's just, it's such a good combo piece, and you could, the fact that you could do it literally every single turn is really, really strong. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. Uh, this deck, I mean, this card has been powered up in decks such as uh, Palkia, Frostmoth Box, uh, even Lost Box. It's just such a worthwhile attacker dealing 92 Pokemon, makes it really hard for. Um, anything less than 90 hp to you know sustain a turn without manaphy in play i think raining greninja is what's going to keep a lot of water alive in the future um as we still keep melanie uh we lose capacious bucket which is unfortunate but there's still things like um irida and Kiram and all that other fun stuff so raining greninja is going to stay pretty relevant uh as long as draw consistency needs to happen in deck so if you don't have Radiant Greninjas now, make sure you pick them up. $3.86 a piece. Uh, we're going to dive into some news. The Late Night Series is becoming a large-scale event with internal point structure to help you earn an invite to Late Night Invitational, where prizes consist of signed Team Shuffle Squad jerseys, a photo with the whole team, and then a paid trip to Worlds. Justin, what do you think about this? This is actually like kind of crazy. Um, so, I, I was listening to um, 
actually their podcast earlier about this um and it's just a really cool thing that they're doing like for the community they're not only opening up a trip to japan but they're making it like a whole kind of invite structured thing so you get to compete in the things that were normally the late night series i believe they changed the the name to the champion championship series or something like that i forget the exact name maybe it is late night invitational still um but yeah just the fact that you can go in you can compete and win a spot into their final round to win a trip to Worlds is massive. I mean, with Worlds being in Japan, it it's not not a cheap trip for a lot of us here in the U.S. Um, and other places in the world. So just the fact that they're paying for the flight over there, for your hotel, all this stuff, I mean, that's absolutely massive. That's, that's better than what these regionals honestly offer, if I'm being honest. The, the fact that this individual team is going in and offering these things is kind of to me it kind of shows maybe the actual regional event organizers need to step it up as well too because i don't play a lot of online but something like this if i had a, like truthfully had a chance to go to worlds if i had started points chasing earlier i'd go what time are these these events and i need to make sure i'm home and i'm playing these events to the end to try to get my chance to win the free trip to worlds i mean it's it's a huge incentive right there even if you aren't trying to make worlds this is still something worth doing it's a free trip to japan at nothing else right if you get even if you don't go to worlds one you can get a spectator badge or you can go check it out for a day or two go enjoy you know the, the biggest platform biggest stage for pokemon but it's i i do think this is such a an incredible thing that the shuffle squad has put together and i, I do this is not a jab at the shuffle squad i I like the Shuffle Squad. I'm friends with a lot of people in the team. I just find it very funny the the prizing that they've listed between like a photo with the team and a trip to Japan. And it's just like there's such a huge discrepancy between like I can go to a NIIC or regionals or something and get a picture with the team for free. Uh, so I, I just I do find that a little funny, but it's overall it's 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 such incentive to play. Pokemon, it's something that, you know, really does make me consider, like, I migrated to live. Do I got to get a PTCGO account again? Like, is that something that I should be trying to do? Um, it's, it's something that I did not expect anyone to do. So, yeah, huge props to them for being able to pull this together. And uh, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, this is great, dude. They set the bar so high. And, you know, this might be a little sentimental, but there are so many players who, during the pandemic, their locals shut down and didn't come back. So online events have been their one way to really, you know, hone their skills, compete, and play. And what the late night, like, series has done is really shined a huge spotlight on online events and put an emphasis on how important these very well could be i understand that there were things like team challenge um, players cup and stuff like that that gave online players a big you know thing to work for but this is tremendous this gives you all the freedom in the world to go home and play you know from the luxury from behind your computer or tablet screen and just play the game that you love at what would be now considered the second highest level event aside from like pokemon championship series so this is really really cool and i hope that 
I'm not, I'm not like putting pressure on other people to do something very similar to this, but I think that Pokemon needs to see how passionate the players are about ma making like a structured and um, fruitful scene for its players to be a part of. And I think they're doing a great job at just that. No, I, oh. Yeah, I, I was going to add to that too. I mean, maybe this will be that realization check to like, I mean, we've, we've ran it about it a hundred times where we don't think the especially with Pokemon growing to the size it has, that the, the payouts are there. It's great, but it's not outstanding by any means compared to some of these other TCGs or even like video games and stuff like that. And if Pokemon maybe were to open up to outside sponsors a little bit more, things like that, or it, it, this just goes to reiterate the whole thing we've hashed out a million times that it's more lucrative to find an outside sponsor than it is to try to actually put your effort into just going to Pokemon events in general. I mean, it, the payouts are not great for these regionals, and this is insane. Like, And this is not sponsored by Pokemon whatsoever. It's just this individual group going, hey, we've we've got our sponsors, and we've chalked the money together and did this for people, and maybe it'll spark more people to do similar things or more outside sponsors, but, I mean this is something that should be grabbing the like headlines of major game stations and stuff like that. Cause this is, that's, that's huge. That's, that's not winning a regional and getting $5,000. This is like more than that, honestly. I, I, maybe not. I, but hotel for a couple days, flight, all that, that, that's a lot of money. And this is an individual person versus an actual multi-billion dollar, million dollar company and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I, I applaud shuffle squad for this big time. I now, not to try to compete, but me and, and my friend Steuben, we're starting our own tournament series. And let me tell you about some of the great prizes that we have. If you and so it's a webcam tournament, so that's already exciting, right? You just play just to, just to actually use your cards. But first place, listen to this crazy $25 Visa gift card. You could use that, you can Sick. use that to buy yourself dinner when. The Shuffle Squad pays for your uh, your world's trip. Uh, actually, no, you can't because the gift card's only good for use in the U.S. But you could, you know, you could buy yourself dinner with that on DoorDash. It's probably enough. At the, at the airport, <laughs> it's, it's a meal yeah. at the airport. Yeah, yeah see, absolutely. Look at that. That's like a whole bag of Gardettos and a water. That's that's such a deal. You, <laughs> you just you just have to win a tournament. Boom, done, easy. You got to win two though. You got to win shuffle squat, and we have to win yours. So we're we're going hard. Mine's right now. the easier to win, I think. <laughs> so how do, how do people play in your webcam tournament though? While we're at it. Oh, um, we're opening it up to the public. It's going to start with a cap of thirty-two people, since uh, webcam tournaments are difficult to organize and keep track of. But we have a uh, web a webcam war Discord and. Uh, you can just sign up from there. It's going to be up on Limitless. So the first 32 to sign up, you know, get to play. And yeah, it's going to be standard format. Best of one, 35 or 30 or 35 minute rounds. And uh, yeah, no no top cut, at least right away. Eventually, maybe we'll we'll move into something a little more serious and take it more like a leave cup than a challenge. But at the moment, it's very lead challenge style. Yeah, and it's standard format, right? Yeah, standard format, five best of round, uh, five uh, best of one Swiss rounds. Not oh, very cool. Yeah, it's nice. it's a little something just to get you practicing with your physical cards, using them, playing, you know, give you a reason to uh, to 
buy singles or prep for that regionals. Like, oh, I've never played in a tournament using cards before. You know, Pokemon TCGO has always done the setup for me. I need a little practice. I don't have a locals. I don't have friends to play with, you know, nearby. This is this could be the opportunity for you. Yeah, I like that because I, I, I don't play online very much at all. So this is this is speaks my name there you right go. here. Right on. All right, and I think uh, we definitely talked enough about some online tournaments. Let's go into the listener question. Matt on Twitter DM'd me and said, since Vikavolt won SD, I've seen nothing but Vikavolt decks on the ladder. How do I avoid getting item locked? Uh, I'm going <laughs> to start off with this, and uh, Gale Thrust. <laughs> it goes a long way, and it'll definitely <laughs> scratch that itch for you, buddy. Uh, Bird Keeper will get you into the active, and you're good. So what are your guys' answers on this? That was so much better than what I had. Mine was, <laughs> you, you, you don't, unfortunately. Uh, Pokemon is one of those games that you just have to sit back and watch your opponent do their thing. Um, so if you have item card, if you are very concerned about the item lock the second you see that Vigavolt come into play, just, it's tough because you want to use your items to get like, your evolution Pokemon get your get yourself set up, but then they just go Marnie or Judge, and you're like, well, now it's now I gotta hope I find another one. Um, it's it is very very difficult, unfortunately. That's what makes the deck so strong. But they do lack a little bit of power. They lack so it takes a little bit of time for them to collect their prizes. So you do have a chance to kind of build up and just be smart about where you're attaching energies when you're evolving things like that, and uh, try to try to look two, three turns ahead to what their plan's going to be, when they might zap cannon, how long are they going to try to keep this item lock going. But um, there's really nothing you can do to stop them from item locking, unfortunately. Uh, between things like Forest Seal Stone, Melanie, Speed Lightning Energy, they're going to be able to find the cards pretty quickly. So just uh, try to play smart as best you can and hope they don't <laughs> hit what they need, really. Yeah, I'll... I'll, I'll say I'll add to that since um, I won my team challenge with a literally a Vikavolt deck. Um, it it's really hard, honestly, to uh, item lock has been throughout history just incredibly strong in the Pokemon TCG. I mean, Seismitoad EX literally was an entire format for a long, long time. Um, so it's it is really hard to play around that, especially if your deck relies heavily on items. Um, for instance, like if. I'll use personal reference. I played Reggie's this weekend, and I matched up against a Vigavolt deck. And um, like Nick said, it's just you know try to get your your game plan maybe a little bit less item reliant, and that's kind of what I did in my matchup. I let him sit there and swing into some Reggie's while I manually charged up a Regirock. Um, but then of course the Ice Q came out, and there was just nothing I could do anyways. Um, but yeah, it's it it does make it really hard. It's just you do have to sit back. Think about okay, what can I let them sit here and chip away at while I potentially manually charge something, or how can I disrupt them further by judging them or marneying them or something like that? But it um it it's a very strong strategy for a reason. Um, it won a regional for a reason, almost won another regional for a reason because so many decks are item heavy reliance. Um, but yeah, it's just. When that starts happening, kind of slow down, judge judge your board state, and see what can I still do without having to play my items, and how can I potentially get out of this? Maybe maybe bossing something up on the bench with a heavy retreat cost that they you know if they've already burned their forest seal stone, but even sometimes they're playing so many switch cards themselves that you know it's just 
It's a grind, unfortunately. Or, alternatively, Gale Thrust. Um, Love if it. You have any other question, <laughs> if you have any other questions for us over here on the podcast that you'd like to have us uh, answer here live, uh, make sure you hit up our Twitter at PCS underscore pod. I'm going to give a quick Patreon Discord update. Congrats to Oscar uh, for winning last week's GLC tournament with Agro Water. Uh, very cool. Unfortunately, they did play Justin, uh, not this Justin, but other Justin, uh, playing Fire in the final. So uh, that was kind of fun to watch for sure. Uh, next week is our standard tourney. It's on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, should be very, very fun. The prizing is going to be digital codes of Crown Zenith as well as some Ultimate Guard goodies and we're also going to be doing the monthly giveaway announcement during that tournament as well. If you want to be entered into the giveaway or play in any of our tournaments, make sure you check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. And now we're going to take a quick look at the predictions for the Liverpool Regionals. Does anyone want to make any revisions? And Nick, I want to hear your thoughts. Liverpool. Um... I wouldn't be surprised if we do see more item lock just based on its success. It's a really strong deck. It's uh, I haven't played too much with it, so I don't know how difficult it is to pilot. It doesn't it doesn't seem crazy complicated. You just kind of have to hope you don't you know brick that early turn. You can get that item lock going really quickly. So I would expect to see item lock and Duraldon Lugia be in top cut. Those are, those are like the three on, and lost box, of course. Like I, I would expect to see those four in top cut for sure. Right. So if one deck had to win the whole thing. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go lost box. Any variation or just lost box? In stop, stop me. Stop doing this to me, please, please. Fine. 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 I'm going to say lost box Rayquaza because I play it and I'm partial to it. Very good. Justin, you got any? Yeah, that one's very strong. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any adjustments you want to make to yours? Oh, I know I said Reggie's, and that's because, like, just in my matchup spreads, I feel like Reggie's is really strong, but the fact that Lost Box variants are so good, I think I, I want to start leaning Lost Box, but um, I think I'm actually going to, like, completely circle back to Mew because my round one at this last region, or this last 1K against a Mew player, and he even admitted, he's like, I'm newer to the game, I'm not that great of a player, and all, he won, he even said, I won because I rolled cram, head, heads on crams every single turn. And I mean, that's incredibly powerful on top of, it already swings really good, so you put that deck into a really good player's hands, and they have good variants, I think they're gonna come out on top. I think I think it's Mew's time to shine again, so I'm gonna go and no, go ahead and put Mew V Max um, based on good matchups and good variants. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not a fan of playing it myself, but I just, I can't deny that it does have a lot of power. Yeah, that really do be a thing. Um, but the uptick in Arceus decks and the ease of use, uh, I still, I still feel like there's a part of me that thinks someone over there is just going to be very successful with Lost Kyogre just 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 despite Azul's testing group and not having a first place finish quite yet so I might just say Lost Kyogre out of you know pure chance and luck and stuff like that okay okay very good I will circle all back to this and I'll 
I'll see who's who reigns supreme after this, uh, you know, secondary prediction of Liverpool, if you will. Uh, but that about does it for the show, mm-hmm. Nick. I would love for you to plug all of your assets and how people can, you know, enjoy your content where they can find you in social spaces. The easiest is Twitter. I'm I'm pretty active on Twitter, so you can find me on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all of that at Nine Card TCG, all one word, and. Uh, I actually think YouTube is two words, but whatever. Uh, it's it's fine. You search it, it comes up. It's just nine card TCG, and that's pretty much it. We keep an eye out on Limitless for the webcam war tournaments, and that'll be starting up uh, in a couple weeks. So that's pretty much all I got. I don't really have to. <laughs> I don't really do too much. Not very good. Also, there's one thing, one more thing I wanted to ask you. What does the name mean? Oh, that's a secret. No, it's uh, I'm my last name in Italian means fox, and who's the fox Pokemon? Ninetales. So, and it just so happens to be that Ninetales has nine tails, and I've played nine different card games throughout my life. So, nine card. No, oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Uh, that's got a lot more in depth meaning than I thought it would be. It's uh, not. It is cool. not a good name. <laughs> it's <laughs> not, dude. It, Trust it, me. It's fine. Because well, I think if you were to rechange your name right now, what at least would it it's be? not Katana or something. Uh, get out of here, dude. My name's Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you had to change your streamer name right now, what would it be? It's got to be something related to the fact that I fight. I do MMA. Fighting types are my favorite. Something about Urshifu. Uh, I wanted to do something about one blow, but that. Feels like I'll never get a sponsorship from Pokemon ever again, so it can't be that. Um, <laughs> Just big punchy man. TCG. I feel like that rolls off. The, I feel like that rolls off the tongue very well. <laughs> Face punch TCG. Yeah, like, I still yeah. don't think they would appreciate the violent aspect of that. So I, I honestly have no idea. I'm terrible at naming things. We were. A second away from naming my my dog Geralt because we just were watching The Witcher when we got him, <laughs> and it was like we we didn't we weren't expecting a dog. My wife just found him like on the streets, and so she took him in. And it was like we have a dog, and we're watching The Witcher. It was like his name's Geralt, and then we changed it to Jerry because we felt like we'd get too many questions about Geralt. <laughs> very good, very good. All right, Justin, your turn, buddy. Yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram at Pokebrews. Um, that's where I'm going to be most active. On Twitter is at PokebrewsTCG. Um, on both those links, you guys can find my link tree, which has links to my TCG player affiliate, as well as Swift Lifestyles Energy, which hooks me up um, from Swift Lifestyle. You can use Pokebrews15 for 15% off your order. Um, then also, if you guys want to find some uh, PCS Podcast official merch, you go to bonfire.com slash store slash PCS pod. Um, you can get some great shirts from there, um, hoodies, things like that. At Orlando, I will be rocking my PCS pod shirt, so come find me. And then also, we Drew and I are going to be starting up our Twitch streams. Um, we're going to be doing some tabletop content as well here in the near future. It's going to be twitch dot twitch.tv backslash PCS podcast. Um, we will announce very soon when we're going to be doing that. Hopefully this week we might get a couple games in too. Yeah, that would be very cool. All right, and if you want to check out any of my stuff, I am Katana TCG on YouTube and Twitter as well. And then make sure you're checking out Ink Gaming and using the code PCSPOD10 for 10% off your entire order. You can also find Ultimate Guard products there. Ultimate Guard also produces and or help 
helps produce this show as well. So make sure you're checking out their gear when you're checking out at inkgaming.com. And we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. Getting into any tier right now will get you entries to our monthly giveaway as well as entrance to our PCS locals. And that 100% does it for the show. Nick, thank you again for spending time with us and talking all things Pokemon. This has been a really good time. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I'm sorry we went so over time likely. I just, I like to talk a lot, so. No, it's perfectly fine. Very good, very good. All right, we'll see you guys after Liverpool. For real this time, though. Catch you guys next time.